Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Wildcat Radio 2.0. Bear down, you beautiful people. What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Barry. And we took a couple of weeks off, or one week off, I guess. It's been a couple of weeks since our last show. And in that time, Brett, I know you know Arizona football has been busy uh, on the recruiting trail, picking up some commitments, um, figuring out their practice schedule, open practices, that's going to be a thing, which is always nice for fans and media alike. Uh, where should we start? What do you think, football-wise? I think there's we, there was a couple of commits that's happened in the last two weeks. Why don't we start right. there? That's the good news, right? Let's see if we want to go back order because there's there's been a few. Isaiah Johnson from Chandler, three-star, committed to Arizona. TJ Hall, a three-star defensive back from California, committed to Arizona. Uh, who else is there? Well, I think that's I think, it. I think those are the commits. There's been some more rumblings of maybe some increasing positive momentum, maybe some misses. Um, you know, Sean Miller, the football player. Uh, we can talk about why maybe that could be indication of future good news. But I think to kind of focus, you know, starting with like Isaiah Johnson, boy, another in-state recruit that these are the kind of guys you have to get from the kind of programs that you need to get guys from to build that pipeline. You know, he's not super highly rated as a three-star guy, but he is a he is a large man, and the most hard-to-project position is probably the lines on both offense and defense. But you know, you can't coach size, so you got to kind of <laughs> you got you got to recruit it, and then you got to develop it. And he mm-hmm. certainly seems to have that in spades. And coming from Chandler High, another another player from the Chandler area, you know, it's it's just more momentum for that pipeline for Jed Fish and staff showing that they really are going to try to swarm the state of Arizona as they kind of yeah, joked it wasn't about. Just, it wasn't just like cliches. It wasn't just like talking points and slogans when he got hired. He's going about doing it. And it, it does make you wonder because like, like you said, Isaiah Johnson, he's, he's a three-star, one of the you know better players in Arizona, top 30 Arizona player, had offers from Colorado, Idaho, Utah State. It's not like Arizona's beating out Alabama or Oregon for some of these guys. But when you're Arizona, you've lost 12 straight. You have a new coaching staff. You probably shouldn't be competing with them too much. Like, there's certain players we can talk about who they're in on who have offers from schools like that, sure. But you need to evaluate properly and look at guys here. And, like, that Chandler pipeline, that's not a bad one to have. And it just makes you wonder, why wasn't Arizona doing this before? You know, like, what was so wrong? It's like, just because I'm not one of those people that says they have to go get Arizona guys to be good. Because I've always said, like, I don't care if you recruit Arizona, just get the best players possible. But when there are good players in Arizona or guys from top programs, you're just you need depth, too. And I'm not saying Isaiah Johnson is not going to develop into a starter and a very good player for them. But a player of his stature, what his rating is and his level in Arizona, that's absolutely a good get for the Wildcats because of the program they're trying to build, not just on the field, but that perception off it for a school like Chandler to be sending guys to Tucson, that means something. I 100% agree with what you just said. And it's like, you know, he, maybe he turns into a star. Maybe he turns into a, a valuable reserve or somewhere in between, right? Mm-hmm. Either way, these are the kind of guys that you need to have as foundational building blocks to have that depth. You know, I probably make our listeners and you annoyed with how many times I harp on depth, depth, depth for college well, football. The Wildcat Radio 2.0 <laughs> drinking game is every time you hear Brett say depth, take a drink. We've lost a few <laughs> listeners. I was going to say <laughs> RIP to their families. <laughs> um, you know, it's, and especially for something like that, like a guy that's got that kind of size that, Oh, I don't know, is in the state of Texas 
is going to be real hard to pull out of the state of Texas. 6'2", 275. That's a big boy. Right? From, for a guy that's in high school right now that is a legit 275 and it seems to have at least some, you know, some significant athletic ability and tools there to work with, you know, you got to keep those, you got to build a fence around those kind of guys and hope that you can develop them. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the five-star O linemen, those are hard to get to Arizona, let alone if they were in Arizona to, to stay here, because that's, those are the guys that Alabama's going to go, go after. Right. Um, but you want to, it's, it's kind of analogous to even like Jordan Morgan wasn't that highly rated, but he at least had some legit offers and interest. And he even had the USC offer that kind of came late, but like, those are the kind of guys you got to build a wall around and have, have that foundational depth, especially along, on, along the lines. But that's how you have a class that isn't just like, you, you know, you need to have a high batting average if you're Arizona in terms mm-hmm. of your classes. Um, and then the fact that it's, you know, a, a somewhat powerhouse program in a really in a, in a great in-state spot. That's only, you know, Chandler high is only maybe 90 minutes from a football stadium. If traffic isn't bad. Right. Uh, if you can build the, the talent pip- pipeline there and all these players know each other from the, you know, all the different, they're playing against them in the same conferences, you know, Hamilton's, you know, Gil- Will Plummer went to Gilbert high. The, the Harris brothers, I think were from Queen Creek. I forget which high school, um, you know, building that and like, all those parents therefore know each other and they have, you know, some of them have younger brothers or they have friends that are younger. And that's how you really, you know, it can, it can momentum is not just getting the commitments and getting, it's getting the interest and getting that kind of buzz internally. And that works when you're doing it in state easier to do so than when you send somebody, you know, a couple times per year to go try to fly to high school, Mm -hmm. high schools in Texas and see what you can get. Right. And one thing that might be helping too is Arizona's rival up the road, hasn't really done much to recruit Arizona, and ASU's been okay. Like Obviously, they're getting some of the better players from California and across the country. They had been. Anyway, we'll see where things go with that program, depending on a lot of circumstances. But you can do it that way, but then it just opens up the door for Arizona to say, hey, like we have a new coaching staff. We want Arizona players. We're going to come get you. They're showing them attention that maybe ASU wasn't showing them, and it helps to get that, hey, like, I was at the coaches' uh, meetings, the Zooms that Jed Fish was having with Arizona high school coaches, you know, weekly or biweekly. I forget when he first got hired. Those were a thing. Just like trying to get yourself out there, just making it seem like Arizona is a place that, yeah, you can send these kids to, and they're going to have success. They're going to enjoy their time in Tucson. They're going to get better, and they're going to have a chance to win. And I don't know if Kevin Sumlin's staff was doing that or not. You know, it certainly doesn't seem like it. I mean, they were getting recruits. It wasn't like they weren't getting players to Tucson. But – it certainly feels different, and feelings don't equal wins, but that momentum like you're talking about, it does seem to be building. Another guy they got was T.J. Hall, the defensive back out of California. Another three-star kind of guy, had offers from Oregon State, Colorado, more Mountain West programs. Again, this isn't Arizona getting four- and five-star talents and stealing them and winning recruiting battles with the best of the best. But if you're Arizona, some of these guys, they have a talent. There's a reason they've been recruited where they have been. You know, these are the schools Arizona should be competing with right now. And these are the schools you want to see Arizona winning battles against right now. You know, TJ Hall, another defensive player. And you look at that, what they're doing, it's we've talked about before is it's interesting to see their first full recruiting class, what type of player they go get. You know, defensively, what type of players do they want for a Don Brown system? Well, Hall is 6'2", 165. I guess he's a receiver, but corner safety. I think they look at him as a defensive back. That's good size. You know, and even with Isaiah Johnson, that's good size along the line. So starting to get a feel for what they want this defense to look like, just based on the type of players they're going out and getting. Well, and TJ Hall is a guy that just had a big bump in his recruiting rankings. And if you if you follow some of the insiders, they expect him to get another one. He got bumped to a a top 1000 national recruit in like the 247 composite and 247 sports themselves has him even higher rated. And like, and so he's a guy that, you know, showed out, I think he was pretty at the, what is it? The opening, that one that was big in California where he, he apparently was impressive. And that's one of the reasons why he might oh, jump. Yeah, yeah. And he seems to have some, some freak athleticism. And at six, two with freak athleticism, you can turn that guy into a, <laughs> probably a pretty useful football player, right? Don Brown um, and the gang, they can work with that. And, you know, if he's, you know, that's a size where if you can have him play, you know, there's flexibility there in terms of what position you can evolve into right um but if you have if you're six two and 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 got some and long-limbed and have high athleticism they'll find a place for him to be successful if they're if they're the coaches are worth their salt right 
Um, but you know, even that, even if you assume he doesn't get a bump, uh, a jump to a top 1,000 recruit as a three star again, that's like that's where that needs to be Arizona's bread and butter. Is that like top 1,000 three star guys? There's a big difference between you know 500 to 1,000 and like 1,500 and unranked nationally, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's only so many two star Scoobs and two star <laughs> Trevin Wades out there, um, and. and and it's it's you're, like you said, you're seeing a trend of what they're looking for, and it seems like another piece that, at worst, can provide some depth and maybe has upside to to really blow up. And and going back to Isaiah Johnson, one 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 second, real quick, Adam, sure. like you kind of mentioned, like recruiting Arizona. Not, not to not to get out of our, our skis with how, where things are going, or to dance on the graves of our friends in Tempe, but <laughs> it's really it could end up being very fortuitous timing and reap, um, you know, a lot of rewards for Jed Fish and staff to have really, really aggressively gone after the state of Arizona when ASU wasn't necessarily aggressively doing so pre previously. And now with the, the various issues, shall we say that they're confronting uh, at a time when also the state of Arizona has increasingly emerged as a hotbed of talent where it used to be, you know, 10 years ago, you'd maybe get 10 D1 type players out of the state of Arizona. Now you're getting 30 or 40 and maybe growing to 50 or 60. And if you're like owning the state of Arizona, it could work out very fortuitously for Arizona and Jed Fish to be developing those pipelines when you're, you know, when your rival's down, take advantage. Well, yeah. And it could also be like, if, and this is really hypothetical, but, and I imagine players want to play wherever they're not going to be too worried about, but you could look at it and say, well, if ASU turns their attention back to Arizona because they can no longer do it nationally, it's like, well, they didn't want to recruit you anyway. They're doing this because they have to, whereas Arizona Jed Fish made a point to say, we want these guys, and they got to get the right guys. Just because they're from Arizona doesn't mean they're going to be good, you know? But it does. It always yeah. feels better to recruit locally, to win Arizona recruits, and, you know, it hurts when we see, like, the Lathan Ransoms and the B. John Robinsons leaving the state, you know, especially guys from Tucson. It's like, was Arizona really going to get B. John Robinson? Like, no. <laughs> like, but it'd be nice to get those guys and Arizona, but Arizona's not at the level yet where you would expect that, but what they're doing, what it looks like. And a lot of us are still going to come down to coaching. You know, can they game plan? Can they scheme? But if they're evaluating the right guys, the right three-star guys, the top 1000 players, they get them on campus, they develop them, they put the game plans together and they win. Then you can start competing for those top, 700 guys and those top 500 guys those four or five star recruits who you say oh wow that's the one yeah that's a game changer that's a program difference maker right there and that's not to say that these guys that they're recruiting and got commitments from can't be those players but they're not rated four and five star recruits and Arizona's in on a couple of those types of players and because of this coaching staff and some of the moves they've made up to this point you almost feel like they have a chance at them and maybe it's a very unique circumstance because certain connections to, well, to their quarterback commit, you know, but it is a sense of they are recruiting better. Now, the I think a year ago, you we were saying Kevin Sumlin and his staff were recruiting better too, though. Like, I'll be honest. I thought, hey, they're getting size along the lines. And like some of the guys they got, I think they had like the receiver Johnson from Louisiana. Like, oh, that's a good commitment for them. Hardly yeah. any of them made it to campus because Kevin Sumlin got fired in Arizona was terrible. So, I don't want to say, like, oh, well, this, for sure, they're doing a lot better job because the hell do I know? But <laughs> I, you can see the plan in place. I think that's the big thing. Well, and to be fair, you can say that Kevin someone started to recruit better in his last year or two, but it was too little, too late to, to show it up on the field um, before the, uh, the you know, that his fate was sealed by a inevitably to be vacated game. Um, you know, so it's, and I actually, I, I'm, if you go back to some of his, the, his last classes, I actually think there was some legitimate talent in those. And even if it wasn't flashy, those are the building blocks. And to kind of go to what you're hinting at, Adam, like when you have these local kids as your building blocks and you lock them in early, it allows the coaches to spend more time and effort and focusing on some of the bigger name guys. Cause just the nature of it is the four star type guys generally don't commit early they're there because they're heavily recruited they have a lot more options they're weighing it out uh arizona's in a spot where noah fita is committed you know based on his mom's uh <laughs> recruiting efforts on twitter 
there's about a 0.00001% chance of him possibly decommitting if, if, <laughs> if, if, if her Twitter handle is to be believed. And she is doing the coach's work in trying to get some big four-star guys. She's are, doing the best. Are, She's trying to help her son the right way. Like yes. You she hasn't like had her credit that. card you don't, hacked. You know, plane tickets and whatever. But, but it's a lot of fun, right? Like, there's a lot of energy surrounding that recruiting. We could talk about Miss Fief, what she's doing. You know, like, getting, like even getting Nofafita, who's a three-star guy, but you, we see, I mean, the dude's talented as hell. Like he's if he accurate, was three inches he taller, he's a, four, he's a four-star. Yeah. If he's three inches taller. And certainly part of the recruitment of him and landing his commitment had to be the idea of look at his teammates. You know, you get, in, you get that foot in the door, see what can happen, but then still have to sell them on the program, the Juice County thing. You know, Keon Burnett, one of them. At, and then McMillan, the receiver. I, Tatoya, like, I, I'll figure it out T-Mac. if he commit. T-Mac, yeah. T-Mac, as his friends call him. Like, they're a good trio. I mean, they're dynamic, you know, and they've been playing together for a while. And obviously, if Arizona can land both those other guys, four-star guys, T-Mac, who's got offers from every college in the country, like, that would be huge, especially for Jed Fish's first full recruiting class. Because you have those three-star guys you talk about, those top thousand guys, and then you add a couple of those building blocks. And, of course, you have Fafita, who looks like he could be your quarterback of the future in a couple of years. Like, that's the building block of a successful program. That could then, the momentum keeps building on stuff. You win a few games, you get, like, once you get T-Mac, then another four or five-star could be like, hey, maybe I can go there too, it, you know, and I can win there. And, of course, you have to start winning. But that's how it starts. I mean, I think you may be undersold if that trio is being a good trio. Like, oh. that's, I, I get that it's all potential until you see them on the field, but like. Oh, if they all like, commit to Arizona, then they're going to be the best trio in history. I'm going to hedge right now and not get too excited because only one of them is a Wildcat commit at this point. Yeah. If I was going to say, like, it's, it's not, it's not a. It's neither a hot take nor is it really rose-colored glasses to say if those three commit, it's a game-changing trio and program-changing trio for Jet Fish and company. Could be. Well, uh, not even changing, just like to get off the ground with that. Like, <laughs> what would that say about Jet Fish? Like this recruiting class, right? Like I forget where they're ranked right now. And right, the early rankings are more quantity than quality. You know, the more recruits you have, just whatever, the more commits you have. But if his first full recruiting class can land, you know, program pillars like that, you know, on the heels of a 12-game losing streak. Now, I imagine a lot of them will commit when the season starts. They don't have to commit yet. You know, the first signing day is not for a long time. But what would that say about this coaching staff if they can pull I mean, that off? I mean, what they've done already is impressive, but if they could pull that off? I mean, as of right now, 247 Sports has them number four in the Pac-12, granted a little more quantity over quality. But that's also some. there's some questions in there in terms of, like, you know, Hall may bump again. Some guys just are not necessarily rated yet. And if you get T-Mac and Keon Burnett, those, are, those aren't just like fringe four-star guys. Those are like high four-star guys that in those rankings, uh, those are the guys that move the needle. And you're and with some of the other guys they're trending for, you know, you know th- there's been a lot of smoke around Tyler Martin, the linebacker that's connected to Don Brown. I think it's basically down to Arizona, and I think Nebraska is who uh, – are the two the two finalists there? Sterling uh, Lane. A, I was going to say Sterling Lane. You know, there's there's rumblings that Arizona leads for him as a four star D end edge rusher type. And if you're talking a class with you know four or five legit four star guys, um, you know that's that's a top twenty five class with what you already have in terms of kind of the foundation. And I, you know, I, I'm trying to think back to the. I think the highest recruiting classes we've had in recent memory were the Stoops years, and I'm not sure he ever got above around 25 in a in a class, even in those years that had Nick Foles and Rob Gronkowski, who was you know mm-hmm. a very highly rated recruit. Like T Mac, I think is the number would be the number two or three all time 247 rated player to commit to Arizona ever. <laughs> like that's the kind of like he's a potential first round NFL pick and as a receiver kind of guy, right? And Burnett bluntly could be with his size speed and hands combo like some of the highlights you've i don't know if you've seen oh, where he's yeah. made some insane like catches like you put them in the right system with a quarterback that they have already have a relationship with and like it's it it gets more difficult to try to rein in your your <laughs> optimism for the future but of course we're arizona fans so therefore we assume that it will all fall <laughs> apart <laughs> not only will the other two not commit but 
uh, the quarterback will then decommit and go to ASU <laughs> or something like that. So we got to train ourselves for, but but it's also like it's recruiting, and this is a time when you can win the offseason. And again, there's been other offseasons where we said, "Hey, that's a good recruiting class." We get excited, we talk ourselves into some of these players. You know, honestly, that, that almost seems unfair because they're good players. They're going to try their best at Arizona. You know, but you look and say, okay, yeah, the recruiting is getting better, but just some of the guys they're in on, legitimately in on, not just, oh, they offered that guy. And they're bringing him to campus. You know, you're seeing this stuff on social media. You see the quarterback commits mother going out there. She's having a lot of fun with some of that stuff that she's tweeting to uh, the parents of uh, Burnett and T-Mac and also to the kids occasionally, like, about how, hey, it's been a great four years together so far. Let's do it another four years in Tucson. You know, things like that. It's all fun. It's all good natured. I imagine they're all enjoying it. You know, especially the mothers. Like some of the videos she's done with, like it's funny. But that's yeah. kind of when was the last time you could laugh with Arizona? You know, and feel good about <laughs> things. You know, because I, it's such a good feeling right now that this coaching staff is very much capitalizing on buzz that they themselves created. You know, well, and I, I would even, crazy. I would even I would even take it a little bit of a step further and this more maybe brings us back to on the field this this coming season and we're only what like we're recording on July 22nd we're like 47 days we're like 47 days I think from the opening game against BYU you know Arizona has not only been doing you know building recruiting buzz but like you know, some of their videos they're releasing and like there was one today, I think, that had them where they called people at four thirty eight. There's four players they call and say, like, we're doing a workout in fifteen minutes or at five thirty, you know, get everybody there. And they talk to four players and they assume that that's going to, you know, those leaders are going to get everybody to be there. And then there was like had the Brennan Carroll, the co-offensive coordinator, yeah, the dance coach, party during their workout, doing a DJ during the, the workout <laughs> at five thirty in the morning. But like what, I, what I'm what I'm building up to is. Part of the what you can do in this offseason in the program that's been 0 12 isn't just building buzz, but it's building culture. And I from at least from what we can see, and maybe it's all just glossy marketing and slick videos, but I I don't think it is that they're they seem to have a much better culture in the program than they've had certainly in a few years, if mm-hmm. not a large number of years, where you know people are pulling the rope in the same direction they they're they're having fun but also like you know culture is a is a covers up all manner of sins uh or you know in a in a way but to me like culture in a college football program or in a business or anything like that is where what can you what happens you know it's almost like a it's like integrity is like what do you do when people aren't watching you right Mm -hmm. and culture is what happens when you're the the head coach or the the coach isn't around or the captain's not around. And like, it seems to me from everything I'm seeing that the culture has changed to where it is self-sustaining and that can show up, you know, that's, that's what culture does. It self-sustains and builds on itself. And that, that may show up this year, not just in recruiting, but that also then builds that recruiting momentum. Sure. Well, they're making Arizona a place where it should be fun. Like it looks fun. For these guys, and I'm sure a 515 workout is not the most enjoyable thing, but to do what they did, it's kind of like, you know, NFL teams instead of they'll cancel like a mini camp practice and go to top golf or go bowling or whatever those little things. But Arizona, they've had to do a lot of these things. This is a coaching staff that didn't have, especially Jed Fish, didn't have a reputation coming in. You know, when I when I was saying earlier that they've created this buzz, them like it's they had to create it because like Kevin Sumlin arrived, he, he was the AM guy. You know, SEC had success. Rich Rodriguez was Rich Rod. Even Mike Stoops was, hey, he was at Oklahoma. He was the defensive coordinator, national champions and all that stuff. Jedfish didn't have any of that. Like, they've had to create this from not, almost nothing. And how far they've come since he was hired at, what, around Christmas time, 2020. So in about seven months or so, like, it's really impressive and it's exciting. It's fun and yeah, the games will start, and they're not expected to be very good. And we could talk about that. We're going to take a break. We could talk about that after, you know, things in the 2021 season as it's shaping up. But for the last seven months or so, it's been nothing but fun things, which now as recruiting is really getting going, we might be able to see some fruits of that. You know, it's like, okay, it's the buzz is great, but if they start landing more and more of these guys, like the recruits they've gotten, you feel good about. And if they can add those other guys that we talked about, that's like, okay, this is happening. 
when if you add those guys and then you come out and I don't know surprise the world a little bit and win four games, win you know beat BYU <laughs> in the first in the first game of the season, um, you know kind of sneak up on them. Even I mean Vegas doesn't believe in the in the team. Yeah, well, but, we're gonna that's after the break though. Yeah, that was, I'll, I'll I'll hold off, Adam. Yeah, but, yeah, um, I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, but to your point where. He, Jed Fish is building it, has built it from nothing. I feel like in a weird way, he's almost taken his own status as a blank slate as an opportunity to paint the picture for Arizona that he wants. And, you know, when he got hired and we were all half incredulous at a minimum of like Jed Fish and like, like, you know, there's talk that like they wowed him with like, here's who I think I can get on my staff and here's my plan and here's how I plan to approach things. And a lot of it is like he basically did research and is like, hey, what are the obvious things that you should do to make Arizona successful, <laughs> both in, in terms of like buying from the community and like how to recruit, et cetera. But like he's done all of those things right. And you can see that. I mean, to me, it's readily apparent that he it wasn't BS. He literally was like, this is my plan. And now he's executing on it. And he's kind of flipped that blank slate on its head to say, yeah, I am going to build the program that I want to build. And it's very exciting to see how it how it how it goes. And so far, you know, he is the best coach that has never coached a game in college football that I can tell. Well, I guess technically he was an acting head coach for UCLA. The interim, yeah, briefly. for for what like a two game, games, two? I think, <laughs> like one regular season and one bowl game. But yeah, I, it's <laughs> it's been fun so far. But Brett, let's take a break because you mentioned the BYU game. That's the opener. It's less than two months away, and. When it comes to the on-field product, there doesn't seem to be a lot of optimism for this season. Is that fair? We'll talk about it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome back. Wildcat Radio 2.0, as always, Adam Green, Brett Barry. And we were talking about the 2021 season. We're all excited about the future. The way this recruiting is going, it's like, oh, they could bring in some pretty good players. 2022, 2023, like things are looking up for Arizona. But there is going to be a season before any of those guys get to campus. Um, Arizona, we've talked about where they're expected to land win-wise, and it's not many. I think the most recent was like two and a half wins for the season. Not I mean, be more than they won last season. So that's <laughs> that would be something. But things do get started against BYU in Las Vegas. Arizona gets to be, like I think, the first teams to have fans in the new Vegas football stadium since the Raiders weren't allowed to have any fans last season due to COVID. So that's fun. You know, but Arizona, the opening line was about 11 and a half points. You know, 11 to 12 points is where people are looking at BYU as a favorite over Arizona. Um, I mean... <laughs> The last time we saw Arizona, 11 points, 11, 12 points, that probably doesn't seem like nearly enough. But it's really interesting because it's also not that much for a team in Arizona that has reason to have a ton of doubters. It's, I don't bet on sports that often, Adam. But this would be one that if I wasn't a, a fan and therefore feel like I have a, a bit more insight into, like there's so much unknowns both on the Arizona side and the BYU side, I think BYU is replacing the largest amount of yeah, returning you know, production. Returning production. Yeah. They're, you know, great. But then they're also like, you know, how many 24 year old guys that went on their mission for two and they're years. They're a more established program too. Yeah. And all, all, all are true, but they also have maybe more unknowns than Arizona, but I would also contend that Arizona is, we've talked about in the past, like, 
the team that was winless last year had how many guys opt out due to various reasons or mm-hmm. to injuries, etc. There's transfer players that are eligible immediately that are not true freshmen that are legitimate talents. Um, I don't know if it's a... It, it strikes me as a, a large spread just by the nature of way, the way spreads are, but it's it, it basically, my, to, to finish my thought, as a person that would be gambling, on the outside looking in, I'd be like, I don't want to touch this damn thing because mm-hmm. there's so many unknown things, and that's, I think, reflected in the in the in the line where it's just like well this they've lost 12 straight therefore that it's a big spread and Um, but like for a team as bad as arizona was last season if they are playing a team that people thought was good it would be a larger spread and it's a neutral site game that might be part of it but it's neutral site that's going to be 80 percent byu fans (laughs) um but like and i think that's a reflection of the the massive question mark that is at every position for byu right um you know, they had a, a quarterback get drafted very high, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, this Wilson, last yeah. year. Um, so, like, maybe maybe they have a, a great guy that was that, that's next in line, but n- nobody knows until you see it on the field. And I think that's why the spread is maybe less than you would expect from a against a team that's o, that's zero and twelve. But also, maybe it's just the homer in me. But I, you know, I don't think Vegas or the national media cares enough to know. Um, <laughs> The, the inner workings of what were the challenges for Arizona football and where they're at today. And even harder to anticipate is what is the impact of Jed Fish on, you know, the offensive uh, performance and Don Brown and a new scheme on defense, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they, I, I, I think Don Brown's defense in the first year is going to be high risk, high reward, but I think that might win you a game just by his scheme. And his and his development and coaching ability, right? You know, does that push you over the top in the BYU game? I don't know. <laughs> well, I think it's we don't we don't know what to expect from this team. You talk about some of the talent that has been infused either through traditional like through the transfers or the guys who opted out. Some of Arizona's more useful players historically, you know, JB Brown coming back. You know, for instance, like he's a good player, very useful player defensively. They get him back in a new young. defense, so we don't know how any of this is going to look. But, you know, you said maybe if the people who set the lines don't really care to look into Arizona and why, you know, the changes there. If they looked up pro football focus, they would at least figure that Arizona's quarterback situation is, how should we say, bad? (laughs) They do not like Arizona's quarterback room going into this season. Um, What is it? The fifth worst of any Power 5 program. You know, worst in the Pac-12, of course, but... I, but 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 how much of that is, and I think Pro Football Focus even puts this in their in their rating is how much of that is bad versus just who the hell knows what they really have there in right. in Gunnar Cruz really in Will Plummer Will Plummer had flashes of you know talent and plenty of freshman mistakes right in reality he should have been redshirting last year probably right mm-hmm. um, and Jordan McLeod coming over a guy who has a you know, a reasonable amount of experience. He's probably the most known quantity, but is he the, is he the starting quarterback? Even we don't, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know what we have in Gunnar Cruz really, because he's hardly, you know, <laughs> hardly has any college experience, but he's got the, he's got the size and frame. And he's one um, of the guys that was called up for the workout video that we saw. Right. Let's, I, let's overanalyze that. Well, I mean, the idea would be like, he's a quarterback. <laughs> I mean, the starting quarterback should be a leader, but also Jordan McLeod wasn't with a team during spring ball. So if there's exactly a quote unquote leader, not as like the leader at, to be the starter, but just who can, you know, the players look to, it would make sense that Gunnar Cruz is one of those guys, but yeah, I, <laughs> you could make a case for McLeod Cruz or even Plummer probably because Plummer has some ability. We saw that and oh, he's yeah. got more game experience than Cruz has, not as much as McLeod has, but maybe Cruz has the most overall talent. Like it, It's hard to say, and that's one of the fun things about having a quarterback-minded coach in Jed Fish. You feel like, okay, he knows what he's looking for. He knows what he needs to be able to win with, and any three, any one of those three guys, maybe multiple, more than one of those three guys could be that player, but I would think the battle, especially once they get back on campus between, especially with McLeod now there, because he does have the experience. Yeah. which could go a long way early on right now, but they don't have experience in this system. You know, yeah, he's seen more defenses, but he hasn't run this system. He have, at this point, run it less than Gunnar Cruz and Will Plummer. So it's 
it's going to be an interesting battle. But then the question is, does whoever emerge, like, will they be good enough? Like, Grant Cannell was pretty good. And going into last season, you're like, okay, Cannell's there. They'll be fine at quarterback. You can't say that about them right now. You, I mean, yeah. you could see a word where any one of those guys is successful, but you can't at all count on it. Well, and the, I, I think I'm on the record as saying, like, the number one factor that's going to determine the ceiling and floor for the Wildcats, you know, very hot take, Adam, is going to be the quarterback play. Uh, very, very hot takes. So How long were you holding on to that one for? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> but, like, it's, you know, it's, it, but it's just because we don't know. Like, they, it could pleasantly surprise Gunnar Cruz could be a revelation and a guy that we should have recruited out of uh, the Southeast Valley. In a quarterback-friendly system. You know, you know, it's very Mike, possible. Mike, Mike Leach recruited him to WSU, like, for a reason, right? Um, well, they don't like to throw. He doesn't like to throw the ball, so probably just to hand it off. And... That, you know, that's that's that tracks. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and you just – it's it's a it's a big unknown. And But I have a question for you, Adam. And if we, if we went back and looked back uh, at Pro Football Focus or just your personal perspective going into this season, this season's quarterback room – Better, worse, or the same as the year when B.J. Denker, when we didn't know who was going to start, and then the joke was... Because I knew Solomon was redshirting that year, right? Like, he was redshirting. It was B.J. Denker. I forget who was behind him otherwise. Was was that when... Was Randall on the roster yet? The Gerard Randall? I don't think he was. But (laughs) without knowing that room, I would probably say... Well... (laughs) This, there seems to be more talent in this room, just raw talent. But at least back then, you kind of knew what you had in the Rich Rodriguez offense, that his offense right. wasn't necessarily built on throwing the ball 40 times a game. And we're not, I'm not saying Jed Fishes will be like that, but Jed Fishes, we don't know. Whereas Rich Rodriguez like, hey, well, there's Kadeem Carey's coming back. They're going to be able to run the ball no matter who the quarterback is. As long as the quarterback can make some short passes and run it himself, they'll be fine offensively. So I... I feel better about the quarterback room this season, but felt more at ease about the quarterback situation that season. Way to way to split the difference, Adam. <laughs> I mean, I I don't I don't disagree <laughs> with your assessment, but I can still give you shit for not coming down hard. Well, on now we got to put in a, a rating on the podcast, but oh, man. okay, way to go. It's not child friendly anymore. But no, that's that goes into that unknown. Like we're talking about the BYU game, we don't know what to expect. Like this offense. It's supposed to be a pro-style offense. So maybe someone like Gunnar Cruz, who seems to have that pro-style build, the arm, the size, he's a perfect fit. He just needs experience. But then again, Jordan McLeod doesn't have that size or that build, but they recruited him and brought him to Tucson for a reason. You know, Maybe they think he can run the offense. And Will Plummer, of course, showed flashes during spring ball too. So I, it's, I think what Fish said, like whoever doesn't turn the ball over, like that's going to be the big thing. You know, Got to move them down the field a little bit, but don't turn the ball over. And... When- you have Jed Fish, whose calling card is coaching quarterbacks, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think we have a sense of what the offense is going to be, which is it's like it's going to be the Rams. It's going to be a lot of uh, you know iterations on like bootlegs and rollouts and using the tight end a lot for real this time. <laughs> um, and people forget Arizona has some legit talent at tight end that has been perhaps underutilized, like Stacy Marshall, Bryce Woma. Um, there's uh, Colby Powers, I think, coming in, who's mm-hmm. a very intriguing guy as a recruit that played some Former quarterback. quarterback nice, but yeah, but like he's like you know a six five, big, big, strong guy. Um, I think what yeah, what you said is right. I think it's like who's gonna who's gonna be able to run what he wants to run the best, and or how will Jed Fish tailor what uh, the offense is to the quarterback that he ultimately decides is their best chance to win with. And that's what I think by looking at the quarterback room and some of the quarterbacks they're recruiting. Like, there's not a single, there's no type. <laughs> like, other than unless you say talented, but certain offenses demand, like Rich Rodriguez, I guess Brandon Dawkins is a big quarterback, but he was more of a runner. You know, like he wanted guys who were mobile, who could run that option type play. You know, New Solomon was a better passer than runner, but he was mobile. I don't know if you can discern a type for Jed Fish right now. Which means he's looking for certain qualities, probably accuracy, which, duh. But other than that, just, I don't know what you'd say because he has some shorter quarterbacks. You know, Fafita is talented, but he's short on the short end. You were saying before, like, if he was two inches taller, he'd be a four-star recruit. You know, like, that's, that's, Gunnar Cruz is a tall quarterback. Will Plummer, he didn't recruit, but is kind of in between. I think Jordan McLeod's on the smaller side. 
You know, like there's no type, which means Fish seems more likely to adapt his offense to whichever quarterback he thinks he can win the best or win the most with. You know, if McLeod is the guy who doesn't turn the ball over, then he tailors the offense to McLeod. If if it's Gunnar Cruz, then he tailors the offense to Cruz and likewise with Plummer, which is intriguing because it means from year to year, from quarterback to quarterback, it could change, which is probably how it should be. But that's what it seems to be right now. I have another question for you, Adam, but I'm curious to know what you think. Do you think it's it's a wide open quarterback competition? Do you think Jed Fish would be a person that would run a multi quarterback uh, system? I think he'd rather not. Yeah, I mean, if he comes from the NFL, which he does, like the whole thing is, if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterback, right? Like it's you want to have a starter, but I could certainly see early in the season, depending on how. Uh, fall camp goes like how before the season starts like if one of these guys clearly establish themselves as the quarterback comes out week one against BYU and plays really well then I don't see why they would shuffle things in and like they have a guy they think is the best choice it's that guy until it's not like I I don't see the reason I wouldn't want to go back and forth like we saw that a couple years ago with Gunnell and Tate and it was just weird you know and yeah I I wouldn't be a fan I don't think Jed Fish would want to do that I don't think Gunnell and Tate Gannell and Tate are very different types of quarterbacks, and I think that if that were to happen, personally, it would be a similar situation where I think it's Cruz and one of Plummer and McLeod, because I think McLeod and Plummer Well, the odds are, are good that it'd be one of Plummer and McLeod if it's Cruz, yeah. Because they're kind of like, like, it's, but like, Cruz might be the best one, but the least, you know, <laughs> depending on what he's looking for, it's, it's, it's a lot of unknowns, and I'm very curious to see it. It's also, but it's also a lot to ask of your, of your other players within the system, mm-hmm. if you're going to be tailoring your offense to multiple quarterbacks um and it gets amplified if you're trying to you know if you're actively choosing to put in different quarterbacks of different styles and therefore alter your game plan and your approach and maybe your route trees etc but it's it's an intriguing thing to think about which is why i'm very excited for fall camp to start (laughs) so we can start to get some sense of things absolutely well one thing that also could also kind of change things it's more of a hypothetical but We've kind of seen as leagues are starting to get back up again, the COVID protocols, which are going to be different this season, especially because the vaccine is out there. It's looking pretty effective. And I remember reading an article that said Arizona is one of the most vaccinated teams in college football, which is just gives me the warm and fuzzies. I'm glad to hear that, you know, but the new commissioner, uh, George, the new Pac-12 commissioner, George, <laughs> he, he was quoted as saying that they're considering using a forfeit rule for teams that have a COVID-19 outbreak, which last season they didn't do forfeits. They just did. They didn't play the games. You know, Arizona missed out on the one game to start the season against Utah. Utah had a bad COVID issue and the game just never happened. There was no loss for Utah. Arizona didn't get a win. Otherwise, Hey, they would have won a game last season, but you know, the NFL announced that they're looking to do a similar thing that they're not going to reschedule games. You know, that if you have a COVID outbreak, if it's your fault and you can't play, well, tough, like, you either play with whatever few players you have, or if you can't do that, you forfeit. That's a loss. And maybe it's different for college because I don't know what the numbers are for the Pac-12 in terms of vaccination rates, and then which would therefore decrease the likelihood of a substantial outbreak that would cost you a game. But I I think it's the right idea. I do. I I I think it is the right idea, but Adam, I'm torn between which joke uh, I want to make at which school's expense, whether it's <laughs> ASU with their COVID problems of last year or WSU with head coach Nick Rolovich's, you yeah. know, let's say less than um, less than well received <laughs> policy around the vaccine and going to Pac-12 Media Day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's the, but I think that's the right thing to do in it and honestly it's the only way to like if you're not if you can't mandate things like mandate and you probably shouldn't i can understand not mandating yeah like nobody nobody literally nobody likes the idea of mandating anything right Mm -hmm. but if you're not going to mandate things there has to be significant repercussions if you're wanting to influence behaviors um and i don't want to make this a pro-vax versus anti-vaxxer type of thing but like this, the science is where you should uh, be making your decisions, yeah. and the science says vaccines work. And if you're trying to influence behavior to get more people to get vaccinated, which is good for both the Pac-12 and society in general, you have to incur some type of penalty 
and risk if you if you're not complying with that. Now right? the challenge with trying to compare to the NFL, of course, is that the NFL is their job. These are paid yeah. athletes, and it's different for 18, 19, 20 year old college students. You know, college athletes. Totally. But they're, they're college totally. kids, so you do have to treat them differently. But as a league, as a sport, like we saw what happened last season, and I, I don't know. I mean, I saw the numbers. I think like the SEC, like they're doing a really good job too, like getting their kids vaccinated. Because maybe it's just because college kids are going to be more willing to be like, yeah, whatever. You know, it's fine. We just want to play football. But there's a lot of money involved here when games are canceled and everything. So you want to do everything you can to discourage it because they don't want to have to deal with that. They don't want to be canceled. So ASU played what? Three games last season? Four games, I think? Because they missed a couple on their own issues? You know, like Arizona was one of the few schools that didn't lose a game because of their own fault. Like Arizona football, Arizona men's basketball. I know women's basketball lost a couple of games. You know, because of something with their program. Oh, Arizona but, lost plenty of games that were their own <laughs> fault, Adam. Fair, fair. <laughs> but it's I, I think it's the only thing that can be done other than try to run it back like they did last season, which was like, hey, if you can't play, then we just cancel the game. But in some ways, like, that isn't fair to a team that was ready to go. Like, I, was, I forget who it was. They moved the one game where like two teams canceled their game, so they just had the two teams that weren't canceled, like, that were able to play play each other. I forget, was it Cal and, like, Oregon State oh, or something? Man, I don't I can't remember who it was, but yeah. It was, it was, it was bad. You know, like, you don't want to do that. It's not fair. But if, if you're, like, say, Arizona, and you prepare all week, you've done everything the right way, and then all of a sudden the other team can't play, well, now what? Why do you get, why do you get nothing for that? Like, you get nothing to show for your efforts all week. And a forfeit, obviously, it's not a win in the way that an actual win is, but you deserve to be rewarded for doing things the right way and preparing the way you're supposed to prepare. So, like, I wish it didn't have to come to this, but I can certainly understand if George and the Pac-12 decide to go that way. Like, I think it makes the most sense. So question, Adam, if if there is a massive wave of Delta variant and we get a bunch of forfeits, do you lower the bowl eligibility threshold so Arizona could sneak in there if they uh, maintain their COVID well, that, protocols? That's not even up to the Pac-12 games. necessarily. Well, I guess it is kind of up to the Pac-12, right? They said last year that they weren't going to allow certain things. I think you'd have to see. But that's also why yeah. the forfeits matter, because if Arizona, I mean, if a team, like, if you're trying to get to a certain win threshold and you don't even get a chance to win a game or get a win for your standings, for your record, then you're at a disadvantage. You know, like Arizona, obviously, there was one forfeit. They were not going to make a bowl game last season, especially unless the one forfeit in week one would have propelled them on to an amazing season. You know, hey, they're 1-0 to start the season. Like, I don't think that would have happened. But... I think if you do that, then the bowl eligibility rules probably stay the same. Like you have a chance to get a win every single week, you know. I think, and if you get yeah. a loss because of your own COVID issues, tough. Like that's on you. You lost because of something you as a team did. Whereas the team that didn't have that issue, they get a win because of what they didn't do or what they did in keeping their roster safe and everything. So, I don't think you'd have to change the bowl eligibility rules at that point. I mean, hopefully it's something we don't even have to address and sure, everyone gets sure. vaccinated and COVID goes away and we can all go back to 100% normalcy. That'd but be nice. We're, we're Arizona fans. We, we're not always optimistic. We have to hedge for the, the downside risk. Yeah, what, exactly <laughs> what you just said, Brad. But, you know, that, that's football. So we'll see what happens. Hope for the best when it comes to just them being able to play. You know, because it's certainly a different perspective now in July of 2021 than it was in July of 2020. You know, where it was like, are they going to play? What kind of schedule are they going to play? How is this going to work? Like, as of right now, they're expecting a full season of games. Like, media day is next week. You know, Fish will be bringing Barry Hill and Anthony Pandy with them for that. Like, we're expecting a full season with fans in the stands, and we'll see what happens. So, ideally, the track that they're on right now continues forward without any obstructions, without anything to ruin that. But, Brett, let's take one more break, and we come back. We, we talked about Arizona baseball not being in love with the Chip Hale hire, but he has filled out his staff. We'll talk about it. Okay, we're back for one more segment here in Arizona baseball. Since we last were on the air, Chip Hale has brought his staff together. They've seen some players who were in the portal come back out of the portal, some players who were in the portal move on from the portal, other than the Major League Baseball draft happened. And there's still a few guys who were picked that have not signed their pro contract, so we'll see what happens there. But... I guess we let's start with the coaching staff and only because like I don't have strong opinions on this, <laughs> which is not the best podcast radio, but <laughs> it's that was the big thing with Chip Hale, right? Was he didn't have the experience as a recruiter. He didn't have the experience in college. 
So the staff he brought together would mean everything. You know, recently they got Toby DeMello as an assistant coach, Will Gaines as a new director of operations, just bringing guys who have more experience. I'm trying to remember, I got to pull it up here. The guy from, I think, South Carolina they brought on too. Trip, trip Couch. Trip Couch. Okay, that's something I do when I've been yeah. drinking. And I come home from a late night. The, the adventures of Trip and Chip on the recruiting trail. <laughs> I, I've tripped over the couch many times. And, and but, then you have chipped your tooth. Yeah. No, no fortunately not. But, that, but that's the thing, right? When we looked at the Chip Hale, I was like, okay, what we know, and even said at his press conference, like he has deficiencies or he's not up to speed in certain areas. So it's important that he brings in the right staff to make up for that. Has he done that? I mean, you know, you can see the experience that he's brought on. You know, Couch has experience as a recruiter for South Carolina. You know, they've had run some good classes. And DeMello, too, has some experience. So maybe, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's there's certainly experience. And Tripp, uh, as his friends call him, <laughs> uh, has a lot of experience as a recruiter at South Carolina and has had a lot of success. Mm-hmm. So that's your reason for optimism. Um you know, it's a. I think the 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 official coaches are all relatively old as it relates to most coaching programs, which is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just a it factual is. statement. Yeah, it just is. And we will see. You know, does that translate better in some aspect in terms of on the field development and leadership versus recruiting? You know, the cop out answer that we defer to frequently is we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, Arizona also lost, you know, they have a, they had a very important, uh, volunteer coach, Mark Wanaka to LSU, along with a number of players and recruits <laughs> to Jay Johnson. Um, you know, Jay Johnson for, for your Arizona fans who are really, if you're listening to this, you're probably a, a, a dyed in the wool Arizona fans that pay attention. Like that actually impacted Jay Johnson moving to LSU actually impacted Arizona football because they were in on a four-star recruit, uh, linebacker. linebacker, Robbie Snelling. Um, who wanted to play two sports and was adamant about it and was basically, you know, after the fact, they're now saying that he was going to come to Arizona. We'd have a good baseball player and a four-star linebacker. And instead, Jay Johnson convinced him to not play football and just go to LSU to play baseball um, and stole their, 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 their top volunteer recruit and, you know, a handful of recruits and, what, three transfers. Oh, Jay Johnson. The LSU Tiger Cats. Uh, I mean, a, tigers are cats, Adam. <laughs> like, do you want do you want to retract? A couple weeks ago, when, we, when Jay Johnson left, and I was talking about how I was kind of miffed at how it went down. You're like, oh, no, it's fine, you know. And we both said good luck to him, whatever. But the more that's transpired since then, the more you realize that Jay Johnson does not care what Arizona thinks of him. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I am a little, I'm a little more on the Adam Green side of like that effing guy, <laughs> but like. I don't, you know, and that can, it can, you can rub people the wrong way by doing that um, and how maybe he handled it with the interview early and then basically poaching a lot of players and all of these things and all is fair and love and war and all that, et cetera. But I'm not sure Jay Johnson at this point is bluntly concerned about his reputation for moving on and poaching players because there wasn't much room to move up in his career from Arizona and he moved up. And there, there's even fewer options to move further up. So yeah. bluntly, I think he's like, I made my move. I'm going to max it out. Turn it into the skid and, and just own it. Yeah. And be like, you know what? I'm going to be that guy. And hashtag sorry, not sorry. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I, you know, <laughs> it's, I, but to, to your point, I'm, I'm, I'm a little less, uh, um, I'm a little more grumpy about Jay Johnson these days than I was initially. Well, like Riley Cooper, lefty reliever, he left to go to LSU, of course. Jacob Berry, we know he left. But in some good news, Garrett Irvin is coming back. Gary will be taking the mound for the Wildcats again next season. Uh, Tyler Casagrande, Casagrande, Casagrande. Casa, Casa Grande, when it's in one word and you're actually pronouncing it appropriately and not using the colloquial Casa Grande of the oh, town man. in Pinal County. There goes my <laughs> reputation for pronouncing everyone's name correctly. Like, uh, <laughs> what a mess. But so he's coming back, and there were a lot of players, because a lot of players entered the portal when Jay Johnson left, like when he left. And that's understandable. Like, that's your chance. Like, you don't know who the new coach is going to be. 
see what your options are. They absolutely should put their name in the portal. But, of course, not all were going to leave, and not all were going to be pursued by Jay Johnson. So Arizona is going to have a roster, and it's going to be a fairly talented one even still. Well, and, and Chip Hale was, was speaking with friend of the pod, uh, Justin Spears, on ESPN Radio in Tucson, and it went up on, as a podcast on the Wildcaster podcast. And Jay Johnson, or uh, Chip Hale himself, was basically saying, like, yeah, if I was in those kids' position, there's no downside. Like, he was saying what we have said, like, in the unknown – there's no downside to putting your name in the portal and mm-hmm. hopefully he can get some of those guys back. And he's had some success. Um, you know, it remains to be seen. I think in the, I think in the short term, there's enough talent on Arizona's roster and who, the guys who have committed to, to stay um, that Arizona is going to be a good team. I don't know if they'll be as good as they were this past year, or they are as good as they could have been if Jay Johnson had stayed and guys like Jacob Berry stayed and, you know, you know, all the other iterations of Jay Johnson leaving and the ramifications. Yeah. Um, so I think for, for a year, I think Chip Hale has, you know, enough talent on the roster that they're going to be a pretty good team. And I actually have faith in him as just a leader of people to get a decent amount out of them. Where I get concerned is, all right, a year, a year from now, what, what's the roster look when it's like? it's not Jay How Johnson's recruits anymore. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of guys, you know, last year with the COVID season and the eligibility things. And like, there's a lot of guys that were stuck on Arizona's roster because of, uh, the, and the MLB draft being, you know, curtailed really, really for two straight seasons, but two years ago, it was really curtailed. And last year, I think this one that just passed was what, 20 rounds. Yeah. It was a lot Um, smaller. And, 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 you know, going forward, you're going to assume it's going to be even higher. And like, there's a lot of guys that are technically, in eligibility because of COVID, you know, sophomores that are going to actually be draft eligible. And it's, there, there's, there's much more risk of roster churn a year from now, Yeah, I guess is where I get, where I get afraid. Well, the hope is that with the roster they do have with Chip Hale, they can win, which will give commits recruits confidence that Arizona baseball isn't going anywhere. Arizona baseball is going to pick up right where it left off because, you know, that's the momentum. Like it's not necessarily going to be Chip Hale's team per se, you know, his players, but if he can win with them, that'll go a long way. If they, because especially guys who were recruited by a different coach, if they like what Chappelle's doing and the staff is putting together in Tucson, then that'll go a long way to I think easing any concerns there may be. But yeah, you mentioned the draft. Arizona had a handful of guys taken: Ryan Holgate, second round; Brian Brandon Bossier was in the third round; Tyler Whitaker in the third round; Dante Williams fourth round. That guy's good though; very undervalued, underrated. He's gonna have a oh, nice. Oh yeah, I was. That was the career. pick that I was most excited about because I really love Dante Williams. And yeah. he wasn't projected to go that high, but he probably should have been. Yep. Gil Luna was taken in the ninth round by the White Sox. Chase Silseth, the pitcher in the 11th round, he has not signed yet. So there's always a chance that he returns to college baseball, returns to the Wildcats. Kobe Cato was picked in the 13th round, and Austin Smith, right-handed pitcher, was picked in the 18th round, like, which makes sense. Arizona had a good team, and if the draft was even longer, if it was a normal draft, more guys would have been picked. But Arizona was a good team last season, and based on the roster that is shaping up to be there in twenty, I guess twenty twenty two, like it's still a good roster. It still should be a pretty good team. The question is, can Chip Hale and this new coaching staff that he's put together build off of that? And you know, it's Arizona athletics. Like, there's <laughs> so many changes in so many key sports over the last year. It's unreal. Uh, another good news, not baseball related, of course, Jason Gardner returning to Arizona basketball as a director of player relations. That's cool. You know, yeah. former Wildcat, one of their better players, some good memories with him. You know, it's nice having him back within the program. Hey, Adam, you said there's been so many changes um, for Arizona, but, you know, we were off. It's been two weeks since we recorded. Arizona has not had to hire a new head coach in a, in a sport yet. So that's, that's got to be some sort of that's got to be some sort of record for this decade, <laughs> the 2020s. Things are turning uh, around. <laughs> for the Wildcats, stability. It, but everyone wants a stability after you place like twelve coaches in a calendar year. You know, <laughs> like that, that's that's the hope anyway. But yeah, I, that's that's what's going on. Of course, media day is next week for football, so we'll see what's said there and have stuff to talk about. You know, based on what we are told by Stanley Berryhill, Anthony Pandy, and Jed Fish, and maybe we'll have some things to say about some of the other programs. I imagine a certain ASU coach will be asked about certain things when he's on the podium and we'll see, you know, we could maybe a certain issue quarterback will be asked about frequent flyer miles, you know, perhaps, but I mean, we don't know. We you don't know, know. What, Adam, you know, you know, you know, what's the best way to maximize your frequent flyer miles, pay for it. Um, 
with a credit card that is with the airline. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) That family knows about that. (laughs) Allegedly. Uh, Allegedly. (laughs) Allegedly. But so, yeah, we don't anticipate any new coaches coming anytime soon. But there's always stuff happening, so we're going to talk about that next week. Otherwise, you know, make sure you are subscribing to us, Spotify, iTunes, everywhere you get your podcasts, you can find Wildcat Radio 2.0. Find us on the Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ. But otherwise, for Brett, I'm Adam. We'll catch you next week. And until then, remember to bear down. Bear down. <laughs>